internet, you're tuned in to episode 3 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm one of your hosts, Pete and Bessie, joined by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown, the edgelord with a heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson, and rounding out our fantastic foursome, the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. <laughs> how you guys doing this week? I really like your titles. <laughs> I like, if, if we're the Fantastic Four, are you Reed? Is this like... Like, a begrudgingly, yes. <laughs> begrudging Reed Richards, Pete and Bessie. <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess with the long blonde hair, Thompson would be Sue. Yeah, I'll um, take it. I like psychic powers. I'll, I'll be Ben, and Sean, you can be Johnny Storm. Hey, he was black in the last Fantastic Four. <laughs> let's, no, let's be real, though. Andy Brown's the Johnny Storm because he's the annoying one, and Sean's the thing because he's the best one of the four. <laughs> but, but wouldn't I also be the thing because I'm, like, you know, fat? Because no. I'm a big, fat and rock orange. man. Sean's and sister in man. contemplation wondering what he got himself into with these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, does that make Sean She-Hulk? Oh, God. <laughs> no, I love She-Hulk. I would love to be She-Hulk. And this Fantastic Four metaphor, is the long box the Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> no, the long box is cloak and dagger. <laughs> oh, uh, all right, so we're going to uh, kick the show off the way we do every week by talking about what we're playing. Uh, so I know I can speak for all of us when I can say for the third week in a row, we're playing a lot of fucking Heroes of the Storm, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we literally just played a game. It was great. We won. Yeah, um, it was a pretty tight one. I love playing with Sean because he's really good at that game. And oh, thank uh, you. we are all okay at that game, so it's nice to get carried. Well, it's also good because like, he sh- he's like a good shot caller. So it's like, oh, we don't like we can play fine. We just don't really know how to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> just I'd follow that man into battle anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'd follow that man into battle then stand in the fire. Oh, man. No, you wouldn't, because if you did, you wouldn't be following me in the battle anymore. <laughs> Channel the spirit of Leroy. George George Washington-style leader. It's like, you know, just make you get pull you up by your bootstraps. Like, no crying in my army. You might not have shoes, but we're going to march to the finish line. <laughs> and then at the finish um, line, we're going to stand in the fire. Yeah, you're right. It's freezing. Well, I mean, if our feet have frostbite, that might not be the worst strategy. So... <laughs> That's still pretty bad. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how that works. <laughs> uh, so besides Tears of the Storm, um, I'm still uh, playing around with Horizon a lot. Um, I put another, I think, 15 hours into the game this week. And I've decided that I'm so close because of how much time I put into it without advancing the storyline that I'm going to go for the Platinum. Um, I'm already, I think, 45% of the way through the trophies, even though I'm only a third of the way through the game. Um, and I am finally moving the main storyline forward again. So, uh, and I, I like, <laughs> it's, it's so great because I'm, I'm really glad I waited this long. Cause I got so much enjoyment out of just playing the game for the game's sake that now I'm like, oh, right. I forgot how freaking awesome and engaging the story is. Like, I'm so excited to push it along and get through the mystery now. And like, I'm stacked. So I'm just like whooping ass and taking names, which is awesome. Cause like I'm encountering some of the like really big, scary things that I think you're supposed to like avoid and come back to later. And I'm just like, no, I'll take you on. Fuck it. No, that's awesome. You, you basically did what I did with Final Fantasy 15, you know? Just, like, went ahead and... <laughs> it's like I was taking down those stupid Iron Giants before I left Chapter 3, so... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I played a little bit more Mario Kart, but other than that, I've been really just focusing on Horizon. I want to put another probably 
you know, 20, 30 hours into it before I'm done and then, you know, call it a day. Hopefully we'll get some DLC. Cool, cool. Uh, how about you, Thompson? What are you playing? Obviously Heroes of the Storm, but I actually <laughs> played League for the first time in a couple of months because Arm was on and, you know, living in California three hours behind us, uh, you know, it's like three o'clock here. He's like, yeah, I just got on and play games. He's like, oh, dude, really? I, I wanted to enjoy my night. But I did play because, <laughs> you know, he's a friend and I tried to be a good friend. Um, I... I can say this right now that I felt so unsatisfied with that night. <laughs> it's like the first thing I did when I got back like from work the next day, I was like, I need to play a really good game just to like wash myself clean. So, Oh my God, Thompson, yeah. you, your relationship to league of legends, literally like it, it, it triggers me. I swear to God. <laughs> it's like oh, you'll have Jesus. like nights where you're just like god i hate this game it's i really don't like game it ever. and then, yeah you say that and then we'll play it for like eight hours and you're having fun the whole time i have fun when i play with you guys but <laughs> like that's the only fun i have like i don't have fun mechanically with that game it's so hard to explain but yeah so that's a big chunk of time i had to waste <laughs> <laughs> i got that uh player unknowns battlegrounds a couple days ago and that's Ooh. been really fun I don't know how many hours I sunk into that, but I don't know, 20 games. Each game maxes out maybe like 15, 20 minutes if you're really long and survive like to the end. Cool. But I've gotten six times already that I've gotten the second place out of 100 people. So I'm like on the cusp of victory and it's just driving me insane. So real quick um, for, for people who might not know, because this game is like quickly getting really popular it's like an up-and-comer but it's still like it's in early access it's like yeah, brand new um just tell people what it what it's about uh yeah so like it says it's battlegrounds if you ever watched um any gameplay of the culling or h1z1 if you ever saw the movie battle royale it all hits those veins you basically start up 100 people are on a plane and this plane goes across this island in a random path like a straight line but a, a path it picks you jump out everyone has to kill each other and you can either do it single player with another person, so duos, or up to four people with a squad. And there is matchmaking, so you don't have to have three other friends. You can go with randos. And that's always fun, because there's friendly fire. And I've gotten into a few groups where somebody would just come over and be like, Hey, I've got a gun. I'll protect you. And then just blow your fucking head off, because he's an asshole. And <laughs> 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 you win as a team, and like, there's no point to do that. But I've had that happen like in two games already, so... It's, it's like uh it's like a Hunger Games kind of like King of the Hill kind of thing, right? Like you're all on the island, whoever like survives the longest wins the game. Yeah, depending on like, you know, if you're single if you're just doing single, obviously that's just, you know, hold out maybe. If you're doing squads up to four people, like that's kind of a different scenario. Like you can take objectives, flank people, there's cars and stuff, so and actually I've had a few like times where we were driving and just another car came alongside us and we had like a friggin' driving gun duel, like which is just ridiculous. <laughs> uh it's like completely not worth it you know you just get one shot in the tire and you're all flip over and die but it's pretty fun you know does it do like the the thing that happens in um the movie battle royale where the like yes it does the island gets smaller and smaller yes. and smaller good what's really cool is it's always on the same timer of like when it goes to the next stage of that and the circle like cuts itself in half in a randomized direction within itself so you could be like dead center of the map and it may not be where the circle is going to go um, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so like you never know where it's going to move. Like There was times that Ozzy and I were playing, and we spent 15 of the 20 minutes of the round in one spot because the circle just kept going over us, and there's our times where we've been hauling ass the entire game just to stay in. And that's just a matter of where it goes. It's it's random every time, so it's really fun, man. I really recommend it. Dude, that's pretty... Uh, that sounds really cool. I, um, I've been meaning to check it out <clears throat> because uh, a friend of mine has been into it and is uh, trying to 
trying to get me to check it out and maybe do a podcast with her about it. So I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. But um, I don't know. From what little I've seen, it looks really cool. Yeah, just watch me and Ozzy play it the next time I'm on the broadcast on Steam. Yeah. I mean, so so full disclosure here, while you were talking about it, I thought that sounds cool, and then I bought it, and now I'm installing it. Oh, great. <laughs> so it's now me, Ozzy, Andy, uh, Casey has it also. So so what I'm hearing, how, what you said it could be teams of what? Up, up to, to four? four, yeah. So, Sean, get the game. Yeah. Yeah, it okay. sounds like perfect for us, you know? I mean, it's Let's $30 it. now, and it'll be 45 once it leaves early access, but I don't know where that is, so. Yeah, I'm going to get it while, I'm like I said, I'm trying to pick it up, like, Buy today. it literally go right do, now. Go do some rounds later. Like your good so. friend, Andy Brown. <laughs> Purchase it well, on the podcast. that was when I was playing, and I didn't mean to, like, you know, make us all spend money, but jeez. <laughs> That's it. I'll do it live just to commit. I'll do it live. <laughs> Peer pressure's on. Nice. I wouldn't be able to play tonight anyway, so unfortunately. So, so you wouldn't be able to play it tonight. What are you playing, Sean? Oh, that was segways. good. That's uh, a segue. <laughs> so as we already stated, playing Heroes. I play a lot of Heroes. <laughs> maybe too much Heroes. Uh, it's really fun right now. There is never too much Heroes. <laughs> well, I, I agree. But... Uh, I'm also guild leading in World of Warcraft, as we've established over the course of the last few episodes. We are on uh, Mythic Gul'dan. That may mean nothing to most of you, but that's the last boss in the game right now. And so once we beat him, we'll have beaten the game. Uh, that's a very, it's a very stressful period for me because it's, you know, it's very hard. And uh, this is a very involved process and being the guild leader that puts a lot of weight on my shoulders but uh we will persevere and we will kill the boss and then we will celebrate uh so i'm really excited for that and because of that i haven't had any time to play anything else so that's all i've done no uh legend of zelda link to the past updates this week unfortunately it's okay okay all right well that's good at least we'll get to talk about it next week i have a question (laughs) for you how do you celebrate do you celebrate in the game or in real life like do you pop it to like the champagne here and then in the game have a party like that'd be cool (laughs) so this is actually not planned this way but we'll so we'll probably kill the boss uh within the next two weeks uh it, it took some guilds months to kill this boss uh, that's how hard it is. And so we'll probably kill it within the next two weeks. And then uh, in early June, a few of my guild members are actually coming to New York to hang out. And they'll be here for two weeks. So that'll be kind of like that's we'll so cool. celebrating the, the win with them here. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool. really cool, man. I'm really happy for you. That Thank must you. be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Dude, we should, have, we should have one of your guildies on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That would be interesting. Pick your favorite one. No <laughs> pressure. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you have a first in command or anything? Uh, yes, I do, but that wouldn't be the most interesting person to oh. on the show. We're going to send this to your guild and have that person know <laughs> I, that like you're talking smack. I, <laughs> I've got some characters in my guild. So. Well, yeah, it's wow. Everybody has a character, Sean. Uh, <laughs> oh, Andy. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Oh man, so Andy, what have you been playing this week? Um, Persona. And Persona and Persona. And <laughs> Persona. Um, I played so much Persona this week. I put in uh twenty two hours. Oh my god. I'm I think I'm roughly halfway through the game. Um I'm at forty five hours right now. Holy so, shit. So like what, it's a hundred hour game? 
You, you guess? Yes. That's not too bad, actually. I mean, like, if, if it's like 100 interesting hours, you're not spending 60 of them running around crafting and just, like, scavenging, you know? It's all story from what it seems, and it always keeps moving. It's all content. It's I'm either in the dungeons, like, grinding, doing boss stuff and moving the story forward, or I'm doing the side quests in the randomly generated, like, subway dungeon to move the story forward, or I'm pursuing side stories, or I'm... You know, hanging studying out, for your finals. studying for my finals, <laughs> because if I do well on my finals, my charm goes up. And if my charm goes up because doing well on finals in Japanese high school makes you popular, I guess it does. <laughs> it, it does. Yes. Nerds. Scientific yep. correlations. If my charm goes up, I can progress, you know, this one story further. I'm like I'm hanging out with my teacher out of class, which is weird. But, you know, it's whatever. I made friends with a politician. Man, you really are like just doing everything. You're living the it's Japanese legit. life. I'm I'm living the life, man. Jeez. <laughs> I also just bought Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I'm excited to check that out. <laughs> nice. A quick up to date for those who weren't there with us ten minutes ago. Ten. You may uh you may remember on the last segment where we discussed Andy, Player you're, Unknown's you're, Battlegrounds. You're really bringing the hottest news topics to this one, aren't you? <laughs> Andy Brown, microwave hot takes. This is like one of those reporters that's in the middle of a storm, and they're like, well, as you can see, it's raining. <laughs> it's like, no shit, dude. <laughs> as you can see, Tom. <laughs> we go live in the middle of the storm. What's going on, Tom? Uh, there's water? Like, what do you think? <laughs> oh, man. All right, so I guess that's going to move us over to the next segment. The news, the news. We talking about the news, the news, the news. Pete and I actually cut the bumper this week. It was good. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> made, I'm glad. Made it into the show. <laughs> All right, so we've got six items on the news list this week. Um, it was a, a pretty tight week, but um, we tried to trim it down because we've got a pretty hefty meat and potatoes slash random question of the week that we're going to get to later. Uh, but we're going to kick things off with some Nintendo news coming hot off of our discussion last week about Sony at E3. Uh, Nintendo has announced the details for their E3 plans. So uh, they threw out a press release um, to all the, basically all the major video game publications confirming that they're going to have an E3 direct presentation like we hypothesized. The Nintendo Treehouse will be returning, but then they also announced that there's going to be two tournaments for ARMS and Splatoon 2, both of which will be live streamed from the show floor. Uh, the Splatoon 2 World Inkling Invitational Splats will be held on June 13th. Um, so I, I gotta say, I love that the like heats or bouts or whatever are called splats. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's freaking awesome. They really nailed it. But anyway, yeah, the tournament is, uh, it's got free pre-qualified teams from, uh, the US, Japan, Europe, and, uh, Australia slash New Zealand, and then, uh, the second tournament for ARMS is gonna be the 2017 ARMS Open Invitational, which is also a great name, uh, and it takes place on the 14th, and is gonna have, um, no, that's it, it takes place on the 14th. <laughs> Uh, so all this stuff is gonna be streamed, um, right from Nintendo.com, I think they also do it on, on Twitch. Um, but it's going to be running from the 13th through the 15th, which uh, seems to indirectly confirm that Nintendo's Direct is going to be on Tuesday after Sony's conference, which is another pretty uh, significant shakeup for the traditional E3 schedule. But uh, much like last year, Nintendo's going to be uh, focusing primarily on their big marquee title this year, or this fall, I guess, because I guess Zelda was this year too. But uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and it's going to be the first time that anyone gets a chance to go hands-on with the game. So that's going to be pretty cool. So I have a huge naming issue with the arms event because it can't be open and invitational <laughs> <laughs> those are like fundamentally at odds for a tournament 
Also, they should have just called it the Arms Invitational, and then when they after Arms is out, their first big tournament could be with the arms wide open. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was really good. <laughs> There's a reason you cut the bumper, man. And he's got that milk chocolate voice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what do we think about this voice? It seems like par for the course for Nintendo. More or less what we were expecting. You know, they're going to have the high-level players come out and play their like new multiplayer games. Just like they did with Smash when they were rolling it out two years ago. They're going to show off Mario all day. They're going to stream forever, forever, forever from the Treehouse. And it's gonna be good. The thing I'm most interested in is seeing how many people actually watch the arms tournament because, like, I don't really know of anyone playing that game or anyone seems to care about it. Not that like it's bad, but I don't know anything about it other than it came out. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have. Well, no, it didn't. It hasn't come out yet. Oh, really? See, I didn't even know. It, yeah. I was wondering why yeah, it got announced. Yeah, I thought it was out already. It's not out till June. Well, that'd be interesting then. See how many people will go to that because you know it's kind of compete with Splatoon, which already has a. a much bigger fan base probably yeah people are definitely i think going to be more interested in that especially when you look at the fact that, like there there are like professional teams that were able to pre-qualify for it you yeah know? right <laughs> so i mean that, that's like the biggest thing for me they're really trying to sell that game i think sean as our uh, resident fighting guy um is it like how does it generally work when they do a tournament for like a new game like this that doesn't have a scene or like an audience like who are the people that you think they're gonna invite to play this like smash players or something in my experience typically you and inv- they invite the people who are the most prominent in the scene of the game that's m- that correlates the most with whatever the new game is so most of the time new fighting games are sequels these days so like right. you know for street fighter 5 they would invite the people who are good at street fighter 4 the known players i'm not sure what they'll do with this exactly i would imagine they would invite smash players maybe poking players too yeah that makes sense too Huh. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this stuff? And are you are you interested in watching any of this stuff at all? Do you ever do the E3 coverage stuff? I love watching E3 coverage, but uh, I don't know if I care about this. I feel like I might tune into the Splatoon stuff a little bit. Like, I always like watching the Treehouse, but I kind of like jump in and out of it, you yeah. know? And like catch the highlights later, because it's a lot to watch. I'm, I'm definitely not interested in any of the Splatoon stuff or the, the tournament. I don't, I don't care about any of that at all. When's Marvel? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think in this metaphor, um, arms would be Elastic Man. Oh my god. Let it die. <laughs> no, don't. I actually like it. We're keeping this bit going all episode, Sean, baby. I know we just uh, met each other not too long ago, but letting a joke die is maybe the thing in the world I'm worst at. <laughs> I've gathered that, but I appreciate it. So carry on. Keeping uh keeping in line with our Nintendo news, um we've got uh, a potential rumor here that um Retro Studios might finally be working on the Metroid game that we've been asking for. Yo, I, w- I don't want to you know make a habit on this show of commenting on rumors um unless they're like pretty well founded, but um this one was too good to pass up. So rumors have been circulating for a while that there is a new Metroid in the works, and uh, a lot of people, myself included. Um, have been kind of like speculating or more so hoping that Retro would be the team behind it, that we might get like a a maybe return to like a traditional 2D Metroid. Um, For those of you who don't know, Retro Studios is a Nintendo second party studio, I think, that um, worked on the Metroid Prime trilogy. And they're also behind the recent Donkey Kong Country trilogy that was... um... Why? Uh, You said the secret word! (laughs) It was Donkey Kong (laughs) trilogy! Yeah, apparently. Jeez. 
I hope you cut that out. <laughs> no, probably not. It was funny. God damn. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're going to be helming the project. Um, and then the rumor was given some new life uh, last week because of a Facebook post on the official page of veteran video game composer and noted Metroid fan, Alexander Brandon. Uh, so in an update post updating uh, fans on some of the projects he's been working on lately, uh, one of the things he pointed out was that he was working on a secret project with Retro. Quote, I'm currently working with Retro Studios here in Austin. As much as I'd like to say more, except that the work is incredibly exciting and the team is awesome, I can't. Smiley face. So this isn't anything concrete, but given the fact that there's been kind of rumblings about this for a while, we know he's a noted Metroid fan, he's teaming up with them to do something new. It's almost clearly not another Donkey Kong game because I think they've been working with the same composer on those for a while. So um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not convinced that this is, you know, confirmation of that, but it seems to point, you know, pretty well that that might be what's going on here. Metroid Prime is one of my favorite games ever. And I really, really hope that they're working on a new generation of those games. I mean, I would honestly be okay with seeing them go back that route, like doing another first-person Metroid game like that. But I really want to see them do a two-dimensional, uh, like, classic Metroidvania, you know? Because, like, I think they clearly really get Metroid as a franchise. And I think they've shown with what they do with Donkey Kong Country that they're also really good at making platformers and like kind of capturing the like vibe and atmosphere of like past games that people remember really well and I think it would like this I think would be a really good kind of like bare bones back to basics for Metroid that would be low cost high reward you know like making a game like that isn't terribly expensive compared to a triple A uh, first person action shooter, you know. Like whereas something like this is, I think you could do with a much tighter budget and still like do really really well, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've I've actually never played a two D Metroid game before. The only Metroid games I've played are the are the Metroid Prime trilogy games. Uh, so I guess in that sense, I'm a bit biased. Uh, I just really had such a wonderful time with those games that I'd love to have an updated experience. But at the same time, I think a 2D side-scroller made by these guys would be phenomenal Phenomenal because you're right, Donkey Kong Country Returns, I think it was called. They did that one, it was also Tropical Freeze, and then there was like one other right. one that were all really well received. Those games were amazing. They were. The, I played at least the first two, and those were really, really good games. So anything Retro does, I'm excited for. So whatever this ends up being is something I'll probably buy. Unless it's on the Switch, in which case I won't buy it. But <laughs> Well, it's probably going to be on the Switch, so... Well, I guess I'm out. <laughs> you have to wait until the Smash Bros. comes out. There you go. I don't know, Sean, what if you get into ARMS? You're going to be the next competitive ARMS champion. Not a chance. <laughs> You wait, man. I, I really hope that game is, like, really good. Because it looks so goofy and, like, dumb. But everyone who's played it says it's really fun. So, I'm kind of sad that uh, Slack and Slash died. Because we're an audio-only uh, channel now over here at the Pals Network. And I really, really wanted to do an ARMS video. But just call it Legs and have people, like, strap Joy-Cons <laughs> to their feet and have to play ARMS like that. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. I think we could still make that work, Andy. <laughs> do it as part of our uh, fighting game Olympics that I tried to do last year. 
<laughs> Tell me about the fighting game Olympics. He wanted to set up a, a game Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one like big fighting game idea I had was Double Street Fighter, where you'd have one person with the controller in their hands and a blindfold on, and another person who had to tell them what was happening and what to do. I would absolutely love to do that. <laughs> Dude, we should definitely do it this year. Then we could get uh, the other pals to do it. We get like the long box boys involved and stuff. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, we had a couple other events like in mind, like doing like uh, Birio Kart um, races and stuff like that. And uh, the Spaz's five shot challenge. Oh, oh yeah, five shot challenge. You have to take five shots and then do like a really tough boss fight. Oh, um, I just can't wait to be king from Lion King for the Sega Genesis, the hardest platforming yeah. level there's ever been. <laughs> You're not kidding. I still can't beat that shit. I'd love to try it. Dude, <laughs> I would I would love I think it would be good we do like five shot challenge and then you have to like speed run a Mega Man level or something. Oh, oh my god, you're a monster. How about we just play Dark Souls then? Like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, because I want to play a good game. Oh Tom, my god. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, to wrap it back around to Metroid, um, I think the the reason I'm I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about good games. Oh, oh god, that's a no, low. I, lo- low. I love Metroid. It was just right there. Oh. It was right there. Low hanging fruit, man. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so the reason I'm more bullish on a, a 2D adaption is because I think again, like low cost, high reward there, and I would love to see that kind of renew interest in Metroid as a franchise. I think. Because, like, I think there's a very vocal group of people that want a Metroid game. But Metroid games, like, historically don't sell very well. And I think if we could get a really good, like, tight, like, indie-level Metroid game that comes out and sets the world on fire, that sets the stage for Retro to do a Metroid Prime successor. And have that, have a bigger budget and more hype around it. But what what's so strange is that Metroid... They didn't do anything for the Wii U or the Wii, unless I'm mistaken and missed out. No, they did. Uh, it was Other M. Oh yeah, Other M. Right, I forgot. That was failure. The, yeah. Right. Yeah, Team Ninja made it, and it was like a horrible, sexist mess. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's why that that franchise has been on the shelf. I totally forgot about that game. Yeah, Nintendo has a really uh, like great pension for taking like their underrepresented franchises and letting someone shitty make them, and then um, being like, "See, they don't sell." <laughs> uh, cough Platinum Games, cough Star Fox is dead. Oh, uh, stop, man! I loved Star Fox as a kid. Don't. Yeah, me no, too. I don't want to think I of more Star bad Fox. things. <laughs> it breaks my heart. So I don't know. Hope this is true. We'll see what happens. We'll definitely keep you updated. Um, so keeping in the trend of wild speculation. Is a Pokemon Stars announcement imminent? Maybe so. So Nintendo has removed an old Pokemon-themed Nintendo Direct from its YouTube channel. Uh, the video in question was last February's reveal of Pokemon Sun and Moon, which came at the end of a short presentation for the series anniversary. Uh, Joe Merrick, who is uh, a guy over at Cerebi.net, which is uh, pretty much the premier Pokemon fan site, posted that the video was gone. He pointed out on NeoGAF, and he um, posted this comment kind of offering up a hypothesis as to why. Quote, Nintendo still has the X and Y one up. Uh, We never had an enhanced version of X and Y that could muddle the message. Typically, they remove videos when things like that could happen. So this statement um, has kind of gotten fans thinking that Nintendo might be gearing up to finally reveal Pokemon Stars, which is the uh, rumored Nintendo Switch re-release of Pokemon Sun and Moon that Eurogamer reported on back in November, something we talked about on the Slackcast a lot. And um, it was supposedly supposed to be coming out, like, in the Switch's, like, 
you know, first six months at six months at launch, excuse me. It's like a mid twenty seventeen release, but uh we're kinda coming up on mid twenty seventeen and we haven't heard anything about it. We haven't even gotten confirmation that it exists. Um and then the speculation around this, uh it's worth like noting it might be undercut because the original X and Y reveal video was also removed from YouTube. But the Nintendo fo- uh, the Nintendo Direct that was focused on it that came out afterwards is still up. Um, and then, like, Nintendo doesn't usually take down Nintendo Directs. This is not, like, normal for them. They did take a bunch of other videos off the channel as well with these two Pokemon videos. But they were not generally Nintendo Direct presentations. Um, I don't think that this speculation is crazy, but it's definitely far from confirmed. Uh, a lot of people are thinking, oh, maybe we're going to see, like, a Pokemon announcement in E3, but it's definitely worth pointing out, again, here that, like, no mainline Pokemon game has ever been announced at E3. They're always kind of announced as, like, an independent event kind of thing, um, or they just kind of get an announcement and take the press day or the week. So, um, that's a lot to unpack, but what do you guys think here? I think it's probably going to happen. Like, it's, it's wild speculation time, but... X and Y not getting a like enhanced version felt weird and Sun and Moon have by all accounts been a success and with them you know moving over to the Switch ecosystem it just seems like the time's right I agree it's also I think that's like a system seller for a lot of people yep. yeah if they want to make the Switch like the handheld console they better have a Pokemon game on it because that's a lot of reason people have 3DS's even just for that yeah, absolutely. And then they get the other things because they already bought right. it. You know? Yeah, so I mean, there could be people who are holding out for the Switch. I mean, maybe they can't get one because of stock, but maybe they're just like, I don't really care. Even if Mario's on it, or you know, Zelda, or every single game that you love is on it. And if there's Pokemon, it's like, well, there you go. Now, now we have a reason to get it. And now that I have the system, maybe I'll pick up those other ones. So the only thing other than a Smash Brothers game that would sell me on buying the Switch is a Pokemon game. That's exactly how I feel. Those two Especially games, yeah. Especially if they give us a new Pokemon Stadium. We need that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would I would absolutely buy a Switch for this. I think that's really smart. I've been dying to see a, a mainline Pokemon game on a console. I, I I understand why they've never done it, and it makes total sense to me, but I just I would really enjoy it. So I think this would be a smart direction to go. I really do think that having a Pokemon game on this system, and I think even Sun and Moon, like specifically Sun and Moon, I think it really does speak to why the merging of Nintendo's home and handheld units is so smart. Because we have always wanted like a at-home, like real true mainline Pokemon game, but that would have really destroyed what Pokemon is. You know, that flies in the face of like what has always been the backbone of the series, which is connecting with people and trading and battling and stuff, you know? And that would severely kneecap that, you know? It would not make it a social in-person experience the way that it's kind of meant to be on some level. And the Switch is perfect for that because you get the best of both worlds. You can have your nice, big, glossy at-home Pokemon game, but it's on the go still. Oh, hey, that's cool. Um, I'm seeing on Twitter Nintendo is... uh confirming not only this but saying in response to uh fan outcry we will be removing water pokemon from the game as we feel they are a garbage type garbage type wow i hate you more than anyone that i call a friend andy as the guy who actually has to play the poison team when we used to do those type battles i have garbador so i mean i have the garbage type seriously (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile andy is the garbage type oh (laughs) 
so the, here's the thing, though. with When it comes to Pokemon, the days of using your link cable and, you know, being, you know, hanging out at school and, you know, playing and battling with people are, are, are dead. You know, that's gaming has kind of evolved beyond that now. And I think having a Pokemon game on a mainline console isn't as bad as it would have been, you know, 10, 15 years ago, because the reality is that most people who engage in trading and battling are doing so with people they will never meet online. So that's true. The ga- gaming has just changed. And I think. I don't think that they shouldn't release Pokemon on the 3DS or whatever handheld console they have out because I think that's a system seller, like you guys said. And that's a that's a core gaming experience that I wouldn't want to lose. But I don't think it would be a problem necessarily to also, even if it's a generation late, release these games on whatever Nintendo's home console is. I could see that working too. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't have any problem with giving people options in that way. You yeah. know, like if if someone wants to play it at a, on a home console, I think that's fine. But I do think it comes down on some level to that. Then it being a system seller, like Pokemon being a Nintendo handheld exclusive thing, moves units. You know, sure. And the Switch will eventually be their handheld exclusive thing. I mean, it, it, it you know, I, this is the last year. That right. Yes. No. So question. It's, it you makes know, sense it's, to it's to start you know start early. Like indoctrinate the yeah. the idea that it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's still the same experience, but it's on a much better system. Maybe it'll run like really fast if it's on the Switch, and you can do some like stadium level shit at home, you know, and all that crap. Well, I mean, it definitely will. No, dude. that's the they thing. They can put like... more into it. Like, it's a bigger game. Like, you still have the Pokemon game, and then they could put those other aspects in. Like, you know, when you dock it, and maybe you know, it's like I want to do stadium shit at home with my friends, right? That would be great to do. Or you could just have the traditional oh, experience, like, um... you know. Yeah, like a sub, like a, like meta game kind of thing built into it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know, I think I, I think if anything, we'll probably just get like a black and white two style game where it's like a sequel to Sun and Moon, and it like takes place maybe like a, a year or two later than the events of the first game, and like we actually see the Alolan um, like Pokemon League established, and there'll be gyms and everything. Yeah, that's fine. And I'll take anything. You could maybe you could do both. You know, like you could do the the island challenge and simultaneously go to the gym. I would pay, take another Pokemon Snap. Like I don't give a shit. I love those games. I love everything so that they make. You know, I mean, the only one I like was just not like a hundred percent on was like just Black and Black and White too. But they weren't like terrible games. I just was kind of like, okay, it was a Pokemon game. Still had fun. You know. Yeah, no, I, I'm not a fan of that generation at all. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, hashtag bring back Pokemon Snap. And no, yeah, I definitely believe that this is a thing. I believe Stars is coming. Nintendo said we were getting a Pokemon game in the first year on the Switch. We got the reports from Eurogamer that I really do still think are real. Um, so I don't know if I think this is coming at E3, but I I wonder if maybe we get this during the summer. Like maybe this comes out as their... You know, everyone's like, oh, they have nothing until Mario, and it's like, JK, Pokemon Stars came out. That would be fucking awesome. So, I don't know. That might be crazy, but that's that's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now. What if Pokemon Stars is part of Mario Odyssey? Like, you visit the Nintendo store in <laughs> New York, the- pick up a 3DS, <laughs> and then start playing Pokemon in Mario. You have Mario's Pokemon team. That's just odd. That's just odd, Sean. Yes. Odd, odd to see. Yes. 
Oh, God. All right. So, <laughs> wrapping up our Nintendo news is the word that we are getting a hefty season pass or Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia, which is a remake of the series' second entry, Fire Emblem 2, and the last Fire Emblem game that's coming to the 3DS. Uh, so while the last two games in the franchise did feature DLC uh, in the form of map packs, Echoes is getting a full $45 season pass, which is going to net players five DLC packs featuring content that includes new maps, new character classes, and an extra story DLC. Uh, unlike Breath of the Wild, the DLC is able to be purchased individually, but prices are going to vary uh, anywhere from 5 uh, 99 to $14.99, and uh, we've included a link down below with the rest of our news items to the original YouTube video that uh, was the announcement release and everything, if you want to go check out the details of what specifically comes in the pack, um, but the first round of DLC is going to come out day one on May 19th, so this is pretty crazy. I mean, so as someone who played the last two Fire Emblem games, it's not really that much different. It's, like, different that they're selling it in a season pass, but, like... Um, Fire Emblem Echo, or Fire Emblem Faith, sorry, this one's Fire Emblem Echoes, had a, like, a side story where it was, like, I think the total came out to eight maps and new story content that cost, like, 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And they've, like, since the series has had DLC since Awakening, there's been map packs there's one you can buy for like five bucks that's a, a map to let you grind experience another one to let you grind out gold um the good news is i mean i'm expecting this to be a, a like the last ones a full featured like complete experience without the dlc and i like that they're offering it a la carte as opposed to breath of the wild where like i wouldn't buy the first one if i could buy the second one alone yeah, I definitely think it's it's probably smart that they're doing that this way, considering the variance in the amount of content in each of these packs. Yeah, that's it's also like a little ridiculous that the season pass costs more than the game. Whoa, wait, how much is the game? Forty bucks. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, three DS game. So yeah, like the fact that they have a season pass that costs more than the game itself is like really unprecedented for Nintendo, and then that they have day one DLC. That's a new thing mm. for them too. Which is like I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I think I've I've spoken at length about this sort of thing. I think if the content is robust enough and you know you're willing to play it, like as long as they're not selling you an incomplete game, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with selling extra content. I do kind of find day one DLC to be a little unsavory. Yeah, personally, I think I think day one DLC is disgusting because to me to me the game's not complete then because you can't tell me the game's complete if the same exact day that I buy the game there's more content that I could buy that should just be in the game then i just think you know again i think back to um i think back to cross tekken uh where you know capcom had dlc that players data mined and knew the the game the characters were there you could they they hacked out mega man he was already in the game. He was just locked behind a paywall yeah. that you couldn't, you couldn't even, you couldn't even buy him until they went through an elaborate, you know, re press release and all that jazz. But the characters are, are in the game. It's just, I just think that's. I gross. had similar experience with uh, Marvel's Capcom Three when they found out like Shumagorath and uh, right. Uh, who, who was the other one paired with him? I don't know, but he was like figured I think out it was right chill. away. Yeah, it was Jill, right? It was like Jill and Shumagorath and like what we had to wait a couple months, but the fact that it was on the disc and you just basically paid to unlock it, like 
I thought I, for the longest time, I was like, if I just beat enough storylines, I'll unlock these characters. Like, you know, they can't charge me for this. Like, but yeah. they did. Not anymore. And, Not anymore. You know, <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing that really, like, you know, assaulted my shaker. Like, I really didn't fucking agree with that, and it's the first time I think I've ever experienced like day one DLC, or really even like DLC in a bad light, you know. And it like put me off to DLC as a whole for a few years until I came around and saw like, oh, it could be done right, you know. I really think fighting games are generally the worst offenders as of late because, like, especially like in a lot of modern fighting games, the rosters are a lot smaller. So then for you yeah. to have, like, a game, like, where you have, like, ten characters and then you expect me to buy, you know, an additional four or whatever. It's, like, one thing in Smash where I unlocked, like, you know, there's, like, 30 or whatever characters in the base game. And then over the course of the next, like, four years or whatever, they put out an additional what whatever it was. Yeah, but they didn't do it day one especially, which just yeah. sucks. And like some <laughs> it just of the, sucks, you like, know? Yeah, and, like, some of the characters were very clearly, like, brand new from the ground up. You know, like, not intended for the original build. And I don't have a problem with that. Like, I don't have a problem with DLC. I don't have a problem with paying developers additional money for additional work. But I, I'm with Sean where it's like if there's stuff that's baked into the disc for me to unlock it beyond a paywall, that's not the same thing. You know, that's you putting a gate up to content just to get an extra couple bucks. And, yeah. I, you know, I don't think that's right. I think, you know, wait a month and put out something new, you know, like put out something after we've already played the game a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's like property tax. You pay for what you already own. It's a scam. It's like, it's fucked up. You shouldn't do that. It's on the disc. You bought it's, it. It's very predatory. And I, I do yeah. think at some point, though, I my problem with the attitude that I see that is it's so pervasive among gamers, like nobody, everyone hates this, right? Everyone hates this, but everyone still buys it or they wouldn't do it. So it's like, you gotta speak with your wallet. Like, if you really have a problem with Day 1 DLC, don't buy Day 1 DLC. I never buy Day 1 DLC. Not only have I never paid for Day 1 DLC, but any game that I've ever played that had it, I didn't even buy the DLC. Ever. I never I never bought the extra characters in Cross Tekken. I never bought the extra characters in Marvel 3. I, I hated that they did that, and I just wasn't gonna support it. But to be fair to Capcom... Uh, Street Fighter V has been a lot better in terms of how they've handled downloadable characters and, and content in general because they've they've added a system whereby you can earn the content by playing the game. That's the way to do it. Good. Yeah, yeah that's great. Absolutely. And it's, uh, I long for those days, honestly. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I think that's another really big thing for me is like I personally don't think that any content that is non-cosmetic should be locked beyond a paywall unless it's like, substantial new story DLC or, like, new maps or anything like that after the fact, you know? Like, oh, the game's been out for five or six months. Here's a new map pack so you can keep playing if you already beat it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll pay for more of more content. I want more content. But I should be able to beat the entire game and then want more before there is more. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but in, in fighting games, it's actually even worse because you can't... You can't experience the character that's right there in front of you. And so you're locked out of this experience. And then if you, say, want to play with your friends and your friend has that character, but they go to your house and you don't, that person can't even pick that that character. Or, you know, like there's so many... It, 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 it interacts with the game in such a weird way that it, it kind of... It, it can really screw up your experience and also the experience of playing with friends, which is a core tenant of fighting games. Yeah, or even just, like, the meta in general. Yeah, the meta, you know? I thought the core tenet of fighting games was if you're really good at fighting games, you lose all your friends because you're better than them. 
because they don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> That's been Thompson's experience anyway. Yeah, it, it speaks to the reason why I don't buy them and I haven't played them in years because, like, who am I going to play with? <laughs> All right, Thompson, what fighting game are you best at? Oh, God, it's been so long, but probably that Mortal Kombat 9 or whatever, which one? Oh, had, yeah. uh, 9 and 10. Nine. I didn't really play 10 that much, did I? Yeah, well, I bought it, and you played it and bodied everyone, so yes. Uh, that's right. I played it, like, two times. All right, fine. But, yeah, like, 9 or Mortal, um, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was a really big one I had for a long time. Let's just put it th- Let's just put it this way. In almost every fighting game we play, we have to institute a policy that if everyone in the room can't beat Thompson, he has to pass the controller. <laughs> it happens more often than you think. You know what I'd really like to do? I'd really like for us to do a best of five where we pick five games five different fighting games and oh, see shit. which of which of us between thompson and i is better let's do oh, it like, i'd love that I... i'd love to be challenged and stuff you know i don't care if i lose like i just want to play them Likewise. again you know <laughs> so i'm i'm five thousand percent in for this but we have to make it a, a event and we need a wrestling belt <laughs> we need yes. to get oh, a fucking belt yes. with the pals logo on the front oh boy WWE, please sponsor this by providing the belt, <laughs> yeah. and we will uh, Dollar Shave do Club. This. I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> and we will stream the we will stream the events. Yeah, we're definitely we're definitely gonna have to do that at some point. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, moving on from Nintendo, uh, item number five on the list is Bioware's new game has been delayed past March 2018. EA's CEO, Andrew Wilson, announced the game will now be released during the publisher's 2019 fiscal year, which runs from uh, April 2018 through March 2019 uh, during an investor call this, uh, this past week. So um, this comes after Wilson's statements three months ago at their last quarterly investor meeting where he said that the company expected to release the game by the end of, end of March 2018. Uh, we don't know too much about the game other than the fact that like it's been described by Wilson as uh, an action-adventure, not an RPG, um, despite having RPG-like character progression. Uh, and then in this most recent meeting, he also confirmed some previous statements that the game is a quote-unquote live service. Uh, which suggests that it could, um, you know, be similar to games like uh, Destiny or like The Division as like kind of an always on, always online kind of game. And then we have a direct quote here. We're very pleased with the progress on our new action IP from Bioware. The design is stunning. Gameplay mechanics are excellent and the action will be exhilarating. The game is built around a live service and and through our creative process, we decided to add more to the disruptive new social design for our players. To accommodate that, we are moving the launch date for this project to the fiscal year 2019. Uh, And then that same meeting, uh, Blake Jorgensen, who's EA's chief financial officer, uh, said that, well, he didn't say it, but he hinted to the fact that the uh, the development of this new live service seems to be the thing that is kind of holding up development. So, uh, and then Bioware's general manager, Aaron Flynn, confirmed that the studio has been working on the this game and its IP, or like its universe, since 2012. Um, which, so this is going to be their first new IP since 2009 when they dropped Dragon Age. So they've been working on this guy for a long time. Wow. So, I know it's a new IP, but like... Hearing about this project and reading about it being like a live service a la The Division, if that does well, I really want them to make The Division but set like during the events of Mass Effect 3. Huh. Like as another game like that because like I know it's a new IP. I know they're not going to do it. But like something like The Division, like the big MMO shooter, you can like jump into a different server on a planet. Yeah. 
like as a you know alliance or like i council people i don't know what the <laughs> name of the mass effect like overriding government Turians, is salarians yeah yeah whatever you, the, the citadel you, you races, drop in as a good you know? guy and like you know big pve instancing fight a bunch of reapers yeah, that would shit. be fun get get loot go to a new planet big pve instancing so, you're looking for like an MMO kind of because like if it's an action game, there is like action MMOs that exist like Terra. Like that's the two games something that they describe along... are basically MMOs. You know, like yeah, I know. So it could be yeah. like an action oriented MMO. I mean, that's that's almost definitely what it is. You know, like I think with them calling it like a live service, like that definitely I think leads to that leads me to think that's what they're talking about. It just like depends on now if it's more like a Destiny kind of game where you have a bigger emphasis on loot and you know skill because you're like hey i'm shooting a gun and if i don't shoot the guy with the gun i don't win right. or you can just like some mmos don't um you know even the ones that like terrors I, I liked a lot because you know you can miss your spells and stuff even though it's an mmo with like just clicking auto attack but you can miss if you don't like position yourself right. that's cool so like if they do stuff like that that's cool but i'd really jam for anything bioware does you know yeah i definitely agree i mean like bioware Despite, like, you know, the last two games they put out not being up to snuff, in my opinion. Um, this is from the main Bioware team. So, yeah. and they've been working on this game for a long time. I'm excited about it, but I have to say, like, hearing, oh, it's an action-adventure, not an RPG, and it's this... It's got RPG mechanics. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's a live service. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. Yeah. That's really... I know, it's got a couple words that don't really, like, sit well, and... I don't really know. I mean, like, we've talked in extensively on the Slackcast before about, like, delays and stuff, so I'm not even bothered by the 2019 date, especially because we know nothing about this, so... Right, yeah. I'm not really excited for something. I, I can't be disappointed, you know? Um, but it's, it might speak to them saying we're going to push it to 2019 if they believe in the project so well, and maybe we're just hearing words, you know, looking for problems. Bioware might be just really putting a lot of fucking effort into this and just hoping to knock us out, you know? I'm like, I'm sure that's what it is, you know, like, because based on the way they're talking about it, like, I definitely think it seems like that, that they're confident in it, but right. I just don't know if it's going to be a game for me, and that makes me really upset, because I love Bioware, and, like, yeah. the idea of them putting out a new IP, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for a new Bioware game that's just set in a new universe, and then the idea that it's like, oh, well, it's not really going to be a Bioware game, it's like, ugh, like... I want the conversation wheel. I want an RPG. Like, I want a linear hey, story. I mean, like, the Old Republic has the conversation wheel, and that's an MMO. That's true. That's true. So, you know, they, they can really do some pretty crazy shit. Like, just because the terms, like, sound like we... Traditional games that we know, there's always something that's going to come out and maybe, like, just really, like, have the same things that you like, but kind of break the mold a little. And, like, I self-identify a little bit better, you know? It could be an MMO, but it's like, oh, we... You really calling an MO isn't is disingenuous sometimes, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I I definitely really hadn't thought about the fact that like they didn't have to sacrifice the Bioware flavor for their MMO. So why would it necessarily yeah. affect this game? It's a good point. Right. So yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about it more when it comes. But uh, I'm definitely cautiously optimistic about this game. And I love Bioware. Yes. I can't wait for more from them. Like a lot of things, we are very cautiously optimistic. <laughs> That's that's another t-shirt idea, just cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Just have a guy kind of like smiling with his thumbs up, but really looking like afraid about it. And he's like, I don't know. Sort of like, a, oh God, what's that shit in uh, 
there's some war movie I saw, and this guy, like, flamethrower a guy, it was, you know, just brutal and shit, and the other guy's like, yeah, cook, and the other guy's looking at him like, yeah, okay, buddy, sure, <laughs> like, you know, like, great, we're winning, but, like, did you have to, <laughs> you know? So, any closing thoughts on this one? I think it's really interesting that in a market where MMOs not called World of Warcraft don't tend to do super well, right? that Bioware is looking to throw their hat in the ring again, while they already have an MMO on the market. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, these, like, action, live service, whatever you want to call them, like, MMO light games are, like, really interesting to me. Because, like, I don't know, I feel like the thing that seems to be the difference in my mind is that, like, they don't have a subscription service. You know, like, it is an MMO, but you don't have to pay for it monthly, and it's more an action game than it is an RPG. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I think... Yeah, I, th- I think this could be interesting. I mean, obviously, like, Destiny does really well, right? Um, the Division had its day in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Not a long one, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm I'm with you guys. There's not enough to really have too media discussion about it, but I am intrigued. I love Bioware. I, I want to really play the Old Republic. Um, I, I, I've, I've not played Mass Effect or, or Dragon Age, oh, believe Sean. it or not. Wow. I, I know. I actually have. I own the Mass Effect trilogy. Sean, Sean, <laughs> when we get off when we get off this call, go start Mass Effect 1. <laughs> Sean, when we get off this call, buy player unknowns battlegrounds and play it with us. And then play Mass Effect 1. No, okay. Listen, you've got a lot of games. You need to beat that shit in WoW first. I believe in you. <laughs> you gotta focus on the gold. I know it's tough. <laughs> should I wait, should I by player unknown, should I start Mass Effect or should we play Heroes of the Storm? You guys are confusing me. <laughs> Sean, you Sean, have to you're do a popular three. man. <laughs> you're you're like a, a long time WoW guy. You should have a multi boxing set up by now. <laughs> oh man. Nah. You can get banned for that, I think. Can you? Wow. Can you? Shit. Wow. Uh I think so. I up, could be wrong it? about that. Could be wrong. But in any event, I've never done it. <laughs> I've also never bought gold. Oh, shit. Wow, good good man. That's, that's, that's something I respect, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Blizzard, uh, last item on the news list this week is Overwatch's anniversary event seems to have been leaked uh, from some data mining and seems to point at the idea that a Game of the Year edition could be on the way. Uh, thanks to some data mining from um, the achievement tracker, True Achievements, uh, seems to show that we're going to be getting a Game of the Year edition of the game as well as an in-game anniversary event. Um, True Achievements said of uh, of the leak, quote, It shouldn't come as too much of a surprise that our scanners have just picked up the Overwatch Game of the Year edition along with several anniversary loot boxes. Based on its store description, the Game of the Year set will include the full game, 10 loot boxes, the origin skins for five, or excuse me, origin skins for five undisclosed characters, a baby Winston pet for use in World of Warcraft, Tracer for Heroes of the Storm, and then a few other features. So some of this stuff is stuff that they gave away already. Um, if you got the original version of the game, you would have gotten the baby Winston pet. I'm pretty sure you were able to get Tracer for free that same way um, with the like Origins Edition or whatever. But then, uh, as for the anniversary loot boxes, um, they are going to like be tying into the next big Overwatch event that's been suggested by the sleek. Every box will include an anniversary skin, uh, an anniversary spray, a highlight intro, pose, icon, voice line, all that kind of stuff. Although we don't have any like pictures or scans to uh, like show what any of that stuff's going to look like. That's what the data seems to point to. Uh, and then it also seemed to show that these are going to be going on sale until June 5th. 
So Blizzard has yet to confirm or deny anything about this, but um, they did reply to a message on Twitter when someone asked, when does the anniversary event begin? And they said no timing details yet. So it seems to confirm that we are going to be getting a, uh, an anniversary event either way. This has happened a few times before Overwatch has had a few data leaks like this, so I would, you could probably take this as gospel whether or not it's been confirmed yet. I remember almost every time we've ever reported on one of these leaks, they've been in, they've been confirmed within the next day or so after we published the episode. So um, this is pretty cool. I'm excited for this. I mean, I want to know if they're going to do like an event event like they seem to have done, you know, like they did for Halloween, maybe like a PVE kind of thing. But uh, I'm particularly interested in seeing what the um, origin skins are going to look like. I got to say, I love Blizzard's commitment to whenever something's going to be finished, just saying when it's done like their their release date schedule is pretty much when it's done i mean they they don't they were like notorious for like pushing things back and like i think it's really cool that they just go full force now and say like eh, no date just screw it it'll be out when it's out you know yeah a lot of fans have given them flack for that but to be honest with with blizzard i would say most of the time you can expect top quality from whatever yeah. content they put out and i really respect that about what they do i also just respect that like i know it's like kind of becoming more and more in vogue to do this, but I feel like Blizzard really doesn't overhype their shit a lot. Like, I remember when Overwatch was, like, in uh, Alpha, you know? Like, like a few people were talking about it, and it was like, oh, Overwatch looks really cool. Blizzard's making a shooter. How weird is that? It wasn't really until the open beta when everyone got to play it when people were like, oh, fuck, like, this is Overwatch. Like, you know, like I feel like they're they're good at, kind of just like dropping a bomb and then letting the bomb speak for itself, letting the content speak for itself, you know? That's funny that you say that because Blizzard recently recently released patch 7.2 to World of Warcraft uh-huh. and they touted it as the biggest patch they've ever done. Okay. And then it released and everyone was like, "Well, where's the content?" Because <laughs> 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 and it actually is the biggest patch they've ever done, but War- World of Warcraft has, you know, a bunch of classes with different specs, and all the content was was spec and class-based. So if you only play one class and one spec, then you're not experiencing all that content. Um, but generally, they're really good about, I think I, think I agree with you, Pete, that they're generally good about being low-key. Uh, and also, and I think that this this piece of news is a testament to this they're really good about being good to their fan base uh blizzard has a a good track record of giving away free stuff in their games um and and celebrating with their fans through content so i i really i really like that about them and i don't play overwatch but i think this is really cool anyway sean buy overwatch (laughs) I, I don't play it either, so you're going to hear that a lot. <laughs> I, I, I've played it before, and it was an enjoyable experience. Uh, my friends have moved on from the game, so I don't see a reason to pick it up. What, are we not your friends? Play it with us! You guys still play? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I, yeah, it's two out of four now. I got a, I got an ally, so... <laughs> we started playing Heroes of the Storm just to get the Overwatch promos, and now we're playing more Heroes of the Storm than Overwatch. Yeah, but right, we'll go back right. to it. We always do. I, I think it's really interesting you said that they celebrate their content with their fans like that because I'm pretty sure that Chogol, when he came out for Heroes of the Storm, was an April Fool's joke at first. And then they're like, well, actually, he's a real champion. Or you can use him. Oh, that's funny. Because they always have some kind of you know, April Fool's Day thing for every game. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that like that one just went under the radar and then they're like, no, he's really a champion. Like, go, play him. Two people in one, whatever. <laughs> so... 
I mean, that's that's pretty fun though. You know that you get like you can always look forward to that too every year. Like a lot of people were like, oh, how was how was this year's StarCraft joke versus last year's? You know, that's yeah. something to even compare against. It's it's. I look forward to it at least. Likewise. So I do want to temper this news item now that we've gotten all the way through it just by saying that we are shooting this show on Friday. Normally we do it on Sunday to get it as close to publication as possible in case news breaks on the weekends. So in the very likely event that Blizzard confirms this and this is now old news, sorry! (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least they heard it again. We're not sorry. Um, so now we're going to be moving on to the meat and potatoes. So I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week. Wow. That was a Getting strong better. one. Whew. I'm really trying to commit to them, you know? All right. So this week I wanted to ask you guys, uh, this question comes from Twitter. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Twitter user at post uh, a guy named Alex Carlson, uh, tweeted out uh, Twitter poll quote this tweet with your game of the year for each year for the last five years 2012 to 2016 this was like trending on Twitter for uh, a couple weeks actually um, bouncing around a lot of people in the games press uh, tweeted out their lists um, so I thought it would just kind of be a fun thing to do go through you know we pick our five favorite games from the game you know our, our five game of the years for those each of those years we'll do it by year so everyone can pick a 2012 we'll all pick a 2013 and and so on i know if you guys are familiar you know with the slack cast we did a game of the year discussion last year we're not beholden to those answers if we want to change them or whatever um so it, you know if you want to call us out and roast us in the comments that's fine but uh <laughs> you know we're gonna we're gonna pick fresh picks with the benefit of hindsight so um, everybody pull up a list, and uh, here, I'm going to, I'll get out a list of games published in 2012. Ooh, Cowboy Shoujo came out in 2012. Oh. Man, I got my I got my 2012 ready to go. All right, go ahead, kick us off. All right, my game of the year for 2012 is Borderlands 2, which I've put a, an amount of time that I can't, like, fathom into <laughs> across, like, six different platforms. Um, I've spent so much time with Borderlands 2. It was um, a huge, huge like part of my life the year it came out, playing with my roommates and our friends in college. I got sucked real hard into the, the gameplay loop of shoot, pick up guns, repeat. And yeah, um, I think Handsome Jack is one of the coolest characters in video games. Andy, it's really hard to pick a different game Past Borderlands 2 for me. Thompson, we have like pretty similar tastes <laughs> except for the things we don't see eye to eye with at all. I know. Like we either super agree or super disagree. I know, like the first thing I saw in 2012 was like, ooh, Borderlands 2. <laughs> I put so much goddamn time into Borderlands 2. Um, I think the most fun I had with it though was I did a, a Gunzerker playthrough on the Xbox 360, and goddamn, that class is fun. I likewise probably put like 300 something hours into that game. Yeah. Probably more, to be honest with you. It's like, I I feel bad, because I'm not going to, like, cop to this, and but I am going to say my roommate um, illicitly acquired a, a PC copy of the game, and then we <laughs> played it a bunch, and then he bought it on the 360, and we played it a bunch more there, and then we both bought it on PC and haven't really played that much on PC since I bought it. <laughs> right. Hey, there you go. Ain't that the way it goes. <laughs> 
I uh, I'm I'm not gonna be very good for this topic because I often don't play games the year they come out. Don't remember what year they came out, and the last five years, I probably played less, played the least amount of console gaming that I've ever done, and the least amount of games in general. So like over the last five years, I've probably played the same games more than any right. other games at all. So I really don't know if I'm going to be particularly good for this. In fact, I don't have an answer. Did you like did you take a look and you couldn't find anything? Yeah, like I I didn't really play any of this. Well, while you're looking, I can give an answer. Go for it. Yeah. Sure. Uh for 2012, Total War Shogun 2 came out, which is like pretty much the pinnacle in my opinion of total warring up until total war warhammer came out uh i think i've got something like 750 hours in that on steam so that's that's an easy one like borderlands is there um it's funny that they're both sequels too um shogun 2 is there for me like 2012 is honestly a really hard year for me because there's mass effect 3 which i love that game i don't care what anyone says um the walking dead season 1 which is another all-time favorite game for me uh dishonored and then far cry 3 which all like all four of those are like all good games all time top games for me yeah Um, they're great but i am gonna give it to dishonored solid dishonored was a really special game and i think in 2012 it's easy to forget how special it was because at that time i think it was kind of like the pinnacle of every single thing is a you know a sequel or a port or a you know it was just there was such a dearth of of new ideas in video games at that time of new ip and it was really before you know indie gaming was at the level that it's at where like you had a new fresh indie game coming out like every goddamn month or every goddamn week uh and dishonored was just like special you know it did its own thing and it is really polished and it's a game i think really holds up i i agree with you wholeheartedly man this is like i looking back on it 2012 is a little harder than i think to, but I mean, 13 that, is that right just... there is like that's like four of my favorite games you know those are yeah. all games that break my top 25 you know wow yeah yeah they're, they're definitely in my well 25 is a big one for me but they, they'd be like a couple of them are my top 10 for sure i think i mentioned maybe one of them I'm, I think I maybe mentioned Dishonored or something when, on our best of year thing. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we did our seven fave games when that was another Twitter thing that was going around. Um, okay, so we'll move on to uh, to 2013. I have a question for the rules going forward. Okay. Do I have to name if um if I'm picking an episodic game released across multiple years? Um. Do, do I do the year it started? Do I do the year I played it in? Do I do like? Can I pick it for a year it came out in? So what? What game are you? T- Kentucky Route Zero. Honestly, it's it's. Can I put Kentucky Route Zero as my 2014? <laughs> um, it launched in 2013. It's still not done. Episode three, which I think is the high point of it, came out in 2014. And either way. Wolf Among Us is my game of 2013. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. You've come to your own answer. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think you can give Kentucky Zero your 2014. I think I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, 2013 is just like, holy shit. Looking through 2013, there's so many fucking games. Um, God, I, I think Wolf Among Us is the one of the pinnacles right now of just like the 
the Telltale style like narrative focused game. And holy shit, does it do everything it does really well, except, you know, function as a program, but we forget that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm really surprised that Fire Emblem Awakening didn't take the year for you, honestly. Uh, Fire Fire Emblem Awakening is a very close two. Um, I also love the shit out of that game. But, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm using this on, like, the gut feeling of, like, how I remember the game. And Fire Emblem Awakening is a good, if like very frustrating experience, and it's not my favorite Fire Emblem game. Whereas, like Wolf Among Us is just about flawless on a storytelling level. I think um, it's, it's like really satisfying to play. I love it, and it is my favorite narrative game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and just like. Holy shit, though, scrolling through this list of what happened in 2013. <laughs> it was, yeah, that's what I, I'm Grand Theft Auto, Bioshock Infinite. Yep. And Link Between Worlds. The Last of Us, which I still haven't played. On, Stanley Parable. Uh, on, on that note, Andy, I'll go next. Because I I fight with the idea between Bioshock Infinite or The Last of Us taking my top pick. Um, the Last of Us is my favorite game of all time for anything ever. So I, I'm a little biased. But I I'm think... contractually obligated to name it. No, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, but I think because I played just the remastered version of it, which, you know, does look different, and it is a different experience than the original one, and I have not played that, that I'm going to have to give it to Infinite because it's the same year. Um, you know, I just didn't play The Last of Us in 2013 on the PS3, I whatever year it came out on the PS4. And since then, I'm, I've, I can look back and say, like, holy shit, but for the time it happened, man... Bioshock Infinite just blew my fucking mind. Like, I love sci-fi shit. I love Bi uh, Bioshock as a series. I loved every tie-in. I thought the gameplay was great. It was, like, the first time I ever had a companion that I didn't want to shoot in the head. Like, <laughs> Elizabeth just is fucking awesome. The DLC was great. I loved playing as her. And I thought it was a little weird that you couldn't knock a dude out with a gun with her because they're like, she's a woman, she's weaker. But, like, she's got a, you know, gun or a wrench, so... <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a little strange, but that was the only weird point about it. Um, I probably played that game, like, 15 times through, and I beat it on the 1999 mode, like, twice. Damn. So 1999 mode is so fun. Yeah, I mean... Oh my god, it's, like, really hard, but it's oh, so yeah. fun. But, you know, it was, like, at first the challenge, and then after I did it the first time I beat the 1999 mode, I was like, I want to play that again, just because I had so much fun again. Um... You know, I considered even buying the board game for Bioshock Infinite, even though the reviews are what, like, you know... Not, not, <laughs> not very good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm still considered it because I love that game so much, so, you know, short of the fact that I didn't play Last of Us that year, Infinite takes it for me. How about you, Sean? You got a pick for this year? Yeah, for 2013, I'm going to go with Tomb Raider. Oh, nice. Uh, Another solid one. Oh, I didn't even see it. Yeah, I, I really, really love this game. I, um... I wanted a reason to like Tomb Raider for a long time, and this game just really did it for me. Um, and I also think that this game probably inspired, in some ways, a generation of similar games. I think of Horizon, um, on some level. When I when I saw the trailer and, and gameplay from Horizon, it immediately reminded me of Tomb Raider. You just like the way uh, she moves. This yeah. game, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I haven't played a, a single player game 
the way that I played Tomb Raider since, it just grabbed me. It really, it really did. I thought it had a great story. I thought the gameplay was excellent. Um, I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed this one. Yeah, uh, shout out to Tomb Raider, man. I, I didn't see it on the list for some reason. Um, that was another game that I had a blast. And same kind of vein as like The Last of Us too. You know, the, the over the shoulder camera and like the way everything feels and like just the survival inside of it was great and just it was beautiful. You know, especially because what it had become before that was just not like it changed anything else, but they like kind of brought it back to life in a whole new way. And I really loved it. They it felt like they took tomb raider seriously like they took laura yeah. seriously they took that world seriously and I, I really appreciated that are we on the 2014 now uh we still need pete's game oh yeah that's what it is okay yeah so so time for my pick uh so i am really torn because this is another really tough year for me um both andy and thompson's picks are games that i think are definitely really huge contenders for me but I think I'm going to give mine to Grand Theft Auto V. I've never played Last of Us, and while I did really love Bioshock Infinite, um, and it was very close to taking the spot for me, uh, I spent a lot more time with Grand Theft Auto V than I ever intended to. It was the first Grand Theft Auto game that I ever played um, the way it's supposed to be played. You know, like playing through the actual story and going through all the missions and, you know, kind of knocking out all that stuff. And, um... I just, I had a lot of fun with it. You know, I, I think it has a lot of problems. The story's a little thin, and I don't think all the characters are as well written as um, as one another. I think, like, there are clear standouts among the three main characters. But I, I just had a lot of fun with it. You know, I think it's it's got a good sense of humor, that, you know, classic Grand Theft Auto sense of humor. Uh, and it's, it's just a fun sam- sandbox world to get in there and, like, you know, kind of wreak havoc. And um, it just scratched a really particular itch for me that year. And I remember it was a game I was, like, constantly sinking time into at a time where I wasn't playing a lot of other games because I was so busy with college. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto V is another really solid one that you can still pick up today even and just have a great time. It's a game that's been on my Steam wish list ever since I got a new PC where I'm like, I really want to buy this game and play it again. Right, for the first person, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I never got a chance to do that either. And even just to go back and do it again. Did you have a great enough time with it that you would buy it at $60 multiple times across three generations? Not me, but most people seem to have felt that way. <laughs> that I'm happy for people who will, you know, do that. It's a it's a great game. I don't mean to take it away from it. But I'm confused still about how it's a best-selling game at $60. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's, like, the best-selling game of all time is, like, really... It's really confusing it, to me. It's something else. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, it's... I'm just opened up Steam. I'm scrolling through their top ten. It's things that are on sale, Prey, which just came out, and Grand Theft Auto V. Yep. It's it's still going to be there, man. You're going to see it for a couple more years until six comes out. I think if Red Dead 2 gets a PC release, it'll kill Grand Theft Auto V on Steam. That's probably true. All right, so that moves us on to 2014, doesn't it? It sure yes. does. And I've already spoiled what my 2014 game of the year is so Take it away. i'll talk i'll talk a little bit more about kentucky route zero and why i think it's a different kind of game than wolf among us which i just called um maybe my favorite narrative game ever uh kentucky route zero is somewhere between a point and click adventure and an interactive novel um it's got all set up in minimalist graphics um and 
the whole gameplay consists of walking around talking to people. You play as mostly this dude named Conrad, um, who is a delivery driver that stumbles onto a mystical road in um, the Kentucky backwoods looking to deliver an antique. Um, but just to like set up the way the gameplay works, uh, the first scene you're at a gas station, you're talking to the guy and you have a dog with you and you can, the guy asks, Oh, nice dog. What's its name? And you can say his name is Homer or her name is blue. Mm. And that like sets you down, like defines the dog going forward. And you can further define things like that. That's interesting where it's, it's one thing or the other. Uh, it's got a great cast of characters, a phenomenal, like, folky bluegrass soundtrack, and it's a wonderful, really, really sad meditation on death and guilt as it moves forward. It's also been coming out since 2013. It is now 2017, and the last act is still not out. So, <laughs> wow. Man, it must be good. I I love this game so much. I right before episode four came out last year, I said it's been three years since this game, like or two years, I guess, because it came out in twenty fourteen. Um, it's been two years since this game got any content, and if that is like where it ends on a, you know, the last two acts turned into vaporware, I'm happy with where it ends. And Act Four is very much a like a place setting setting up for the for the finale kind of thing. Mm. But it's like, it's good. I'd maybe wait till Act 5 now. Um, That's where I'm at with it. Like, you got me in a place where I want to play it, but I'm going to wait until it's done. Yeah, I mean, that's probably good. Um, Also, the developer's cardboard computer put out, like, a bunch of little, like, interludes that go between the acts. Like, there's one that's a... A similar experience to like the Kentucky Route Zero gameplay, but instead of like point and click adventuring, it's an almost VR like experience that I think they eventually did a VR build for. Huh. Um, of just like you're at a play and you can focus on different things, and that affects how the play plays out. That's cool. Yeah, that's really um, cool. It's 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 super weird. Um, and yeah, I can't really say much more about it than i have other than play it if you haven't all right so who wants to go next i can go next um yeah so for me super smash brothers for wii u nice uh i i still play this game uh and one of the for me now one of the things that is important as far as gaming is is longevity and this i like games that i can play for a year or for two years or three or four and this is a game i've been playing now for three years and i'm not tired of it it's an amazing game uh most people would say that melee is the best smash game i disagree with that i think that uh smash brothers wii u is the best smash game ever because it refines what smash brothers does best Um, oh yeah i totally agree yeah if you like if you like the competitive element of smash this is a game that's far easier to play competitively than melee was um and there are less sort of roadblocks to getting into the competitive element but the competitive element of the game is just as deep as melee's um the the list of characters the cast of characters is is phenomenal it's very robust there's tons of characters with very different play styles uh 
prior Smash games had tons of clones. This one doesn't. Every character feels unique and different from the next character, which I really appreciated. Uh, and it, it's just a fun game. The DLC was very respectful to players, and um, you know they they brought in Mega Man, which was really cool. They brought in Ryu, freaking Cloud, <laughs> Cloud. That's that's phenomenal. And um, this was a game we weren't even entirely positive would get made. There wasn't a guarantee we would get a new Smash um, because the creator wasn't sure he wanted to do it anymore. So I'm really glad we got this. And um, yeah, that's my game of the year for 2014. Solid pick. Rock solid. What about you, Thompson? I didn't really play a lot of games in 2014 looking at these lists, so I'm really limited. But that doesn't mean that there was some really good ones. I want to give a really nice shout out to Wasteland 2 for being like just fucking phenomenal and really just reviving the old top-down computer RPG scene, you know, like old Baldur's Gates and everything. Like, this is from the same people who made, or same guy, you know, Brian Fargo, who's, like, worked on Fallout and everything, so I have my roots very deep in that. That game is a strong second, but The Last of Us Remastered did come out in 2014, so that's easily where my money has to go. It's just, just like, like I said, I had not played the PS3 version of it, and, like, while it's not bad, 2014's remastered just looks better is better it runs better it has the dlc built in i know like i think i'm the only one who's played it here out of you guys but yeah which is crazy um, <laughs> you know it's you're really missing out um especially for people who like comics and movies and stuff it's just something to really absorb and it really gets your noodle thinking you know uh it's there's there's so much to that game that you can miss on the first playthrough because you're just trying to live and that doesn't mean that you don't get the full experience, but if you go back and you kind of know, like, oh, you know, I can get through this area with just this one little thing, or I don't have to kill these guys, or whatever, and you, you might start paying more attention to the environment. And it's one of those things, like, it just subtly gives you the... There's there's an over, like, bigger message to this game than just, like, what you're going to see on the surface, in my opinion. And you don't really get the severity of that until you're, like, near the end. And it's, it's fucking incredible. It's... If, I know you guys haven't played it, but I don't know how you can live life without doing that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I really... It's a game I, I know I I know I know need and want to double back to because I'm just such a big Naughty Dog fan. You know, like, I, I Yeah, especially I for games, you. So. Especially for you because you love the... Uh, um, Nathan Drake? Uncharted. Games, what are they called? Yeah, Uncharted. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I remember the character, but not the game, right? Yeah, um, right. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I know you, I, you did a little video on Uncharted. I know... You're a big fan of Naughty Dog, and I am too, but this is my favorite game ever. And that's coming from playing, like, StarCraft for 12 years straight, you know? And, like, I still play it now. So, I, I mean, it's just so fucking good. I can't keep going on about it. Uh, Pete, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I want to play it now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a couple games I want to shout out in 2014 as well. Um, Smash Bros. definitely uh, absolutely great. Um, Dragon Age Inquisition, while a deeply flawed game, was the game I probably spent the most time with in 2014, and, um, it holds a place in my heart. I wouldn't call it special, but, uh, <laughs> I care about it on some level. And, uh, and then, um, Wolf Among Us was primarily a 2014 game, so that's definitely another one I want to give a shout-out to. South Park The Stick of Truth, another game I really loved, um, and then Walking Dead Season 2. And, uh, oh, sorry, one more honorable mention, Tropico 5, which was... The first, like, sim management kind of game like that I had played in forever, but I played hours of it on PC and then played it again when it came to PS4. So Nice. Um, did all did you games... play Tropical 4? 
Yeah, I, I Tropical Four is actually better, I think. But yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I fucking I really into Tropico. Um, nice. I did not know that. I've all these years, man. I've never known that. Yeah, dude, I played that game a lot in college. Uh, El presidente. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I was I, the I... best dictator for life ever. They loved me. Because <laughs> like what I second did, only to me. My my perfect strategy is like, all right, you do some really shady backwater drug deals or like nuclear stuff or whatever, and get a bunch of money, and then invest all of it into infrastructure and education, and raise everyone's quality of life so high that they forgive you for being a drug lord. <laughs> right. So. You've, the Pablo Escobar, as they call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then I just, as soon as, as soon as I made my drug money, I walked away clean. You know, <laughs> started the uh, reverse Pablo Escobar investing in tourism. <laughs> um, but so I want to give my number one pick. Um, this should probably come as no surprise to anyone who knows me. But shovel. Knight. Oh, I know. Oh yeah. Uh, shovel Knight is one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, one of my top five favorite games. Probably even one of my top three favorite games. Honestly. Uh, I deeply love Shovel Knight. It's a phenomenal platformer. Uh, its art is beautiful. It's, it has you know great classical pixel art. Um, the music is fantastic. It's just such a clear labor of love that it's like it's. I think especially if you're into retro aesthetic and platforming games, it's impossible to ignore. You know, you can see the DNA of the games that inspired it. You know, throughout, but it it eclipses them in a way and not to say that it's like definitively better than everything that came before, but that it, it does a really great job of being an affectionate love letter to the things that are great about those games and making you feel like you're playing one of those games while also still doing things that are new and innovating, which is a thing I think a lot of these retro throwback games kind of forget to do. Um, So Shovel Knight, I think is just uh, an incredible accomplishment. And even three years later, you know, I, I think it's a game that'll always stand the test of time, but I think three years later, they're still putting out content for it, and uh, for what it costs, it's an insane value. Okay. Uh, that's everybody, yeah? Yeah. So that'll yeah. move us on to uh, 2015. Okay. Um, does anybody have a, a strong 2015 while well, I struggle to decide mine? I actually have no answer for 2015. Sean's answer is none. Oh, <laughs> oh, never mind. I missed it. Easy pick. 2015. Undertale. Oh, yep. shit. That's, that's my, a good one. That's my pick, too. I don't even have to that's look. That's a good one. That's my pick. Um, yep. Let me... Hold on. Um, let me make sure, but yeah, that's like that's gotta be it, dude. Andy, do you want to start? I'm just gonna start by saying that, like, before realizing that Undertale came out in 2015, it was a, a toss-up between Metal Gear Solid Five. Rocket League, both of games, both of which are games I've sank a lot of time into for very different reasons. Oh God, they're, oh, this is gonna be a really hard year. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no. But for me, Undertale is just like to call a video game like perspective changing seems hyperbolic, but I don't think it is in the case of Undertale. No, Andy, you're a hundred percent right. That game changes the way that you look at video games. Yeah. No, it changes the way I think about games, the way I think about like storytelling in general. Yeah, and it, I think it, it changed the way I feel about stories in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, absolutely. the things that I value. Yep. Yeah, it 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 challenges and reaffirms a lot of like a lot of conventional wisdom about video games and I can't 
praise it high enough. Its soundtrack is also, I think, probably oh, yeah. my favorite video game soundtrack. Um, For a game that I've spent maybe 10 hours in, it's definitely, like, it, it cut me pretty deep, you know? Absolutely, man. Yeah, and it's a game that, like, you know, I don't, I don't usually play a game twice, and you have to play that game twice to get, like, the true, quote-unquote, true ending, and I immediately jumped back in without reservation, you know, and was so ready to go back and do it again, just because it's so different. Oh, yeah. It's very special. Like, it's, and it, it's, and it's one of those games that, like, and Sean, you haven't played it, right? No, I have not. So, I, I think, like, one of the things I love about Undertale is when you listen to people talk about Undertale, it, it really sounds like they're being hyperbolic. You know, yeah, like, it's people are like, it's the best thing I've ever done, and it do, and it's like, no, but it really is like, so good. Yeah, or that it's life changing, or that it's like it's it's an all time great. Like I feel like uh, until you play it, it's really hard to actually have any kind of perspective on it and really like get what is so special about it. And I don't think it's for everyone. I think like it's not going to speak to every every gamer, but ga- gamers who are like really deep enthusiasts people who really love games on like a fundamental level and like think about games or think about stories in a deeper level i think it's going to speak to them um no matter what and i I would be really hard pressed to find i've never met anyone who played it that didn't that it didn't speak to them you know in in very much the same way wow at least in some way i think everybody walks away from it even if they're not 100 percent on board with like it isn't for everyone, but if, if you're not 100% with it, you still walk away with some kind of interesting opinion about it or some kind of different, greater understanding about video games as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, and your and like your role within them, you know? like Right, yeah. Your role as, like, the gamer, you know? Uh, it's it's something else. It's just, I, 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 I don't want to, like, belabor the point too much, but, like, if you haven't played Undertale, it's like a $10 game, just go buy it. Like don't don't sleep on it. It's a it's a experience you really should have, Sean. <laughs> I, I yeah. Now that you guys have talked it up so much, I'm gonna have to pick it up. Please do. It's like it's not entirely too long either. You're not gonna sink you know 100 hours into it. You beat it in a week if you play it two hours a night. Cool. Um, it's a game that I like so much that when um one of the comics pals Kale hit me up about it and he was like hey so undertale's on sale how like is it really is it really as good as everyone says it is should i buy it and i was like i'm like like buy it yesterday and like he didn't and i i was so broke about at this point but i almost spent the five dollars to buy it for him because i was like you need to play this game you've been doing a great service for humanity yeah i mean just like a philosopher of old enlightening everyone give it a shot so uh somebody else want to go yeah, um, 2015 has Until Dawn, which is amazing. I don't think that another game is really comparable to it, but that's, you know, it, it's it's certainly, like, very close for me. Um, also saw the release of Fallout 4, which I'm really happy about, but I can't say that's my favorite Fallout game. You guys know me. Again, this should be easy. Bloodborne came out. So mm-hmm. that really just is the pinnacle of the Souls-like series for me. Um, I know a lot of people would say Dark Souls 3 is better, but I I am intended to be a Bloodborne kind of guy. I love the fact that it took all the elements from the Souls series and Demon's Souls and all that shit, then, and then just, like, rewarded you for being more aggressive, finally. I think, like, 
one of the first items you can pick up is this like crappy wooden shield and the description for the shield is like something something like oh who would want to use that you know like in a world with all this crazy weapons who wants to use a shield plus it's not even useful like you you can get knocked back like really easy so the fact that they give you a gun and a melee weapon to start just says go for it you know uh once you once you like get into the story of that game too there's more than just the hard you know bosses and the difficulty challenges and you know a lot of the rewards from those games come from you know oh, i did it you know like hey i'm one of those people who beat this game but i think bloodborne has something special because they they put a really interesting story into it and why you're there and like why you're not dying and you keep coming back to life is you know because that's part of the game mechanic right getting killed and coming back but why that happens is actually very interesting and if you tough it out and get near the end you might not understand that because there are like i think five different endings and it's really interesting to go through a game that just seems to be really hard at first and just seems so fucked up and truly understanding the world around it this the the world is something that like i would have loved it is it's lovecraftian it, it does have a lot of references to that kind of shit it pretty much is a cthulhu reference the whole way through um you know for anyone who's familiar with lovecraft stuff but it's very subtle about it just kind of like if you were gonna play or read a lovecraft you know kind of thing you wouldn't really know like what people are like worried about you know like when they talk about the elder ones it's like oh it's just this thing whatever you know you can't really describe it you know it causes you to go to crazy but that's because you can't comprehend it and like the game's story is so good at just feed drip feeding you just enough to keep you wanting to go you know and for like a souls game to do that because normally it's just you know kill the boss oh this starts really fucking hard uh, that's why it's fun um souls games have good stories too but this one is just perfect could be a movie could be a book could be a lot of things it happens to be a game play it <laughs> all right um, um am i the last one then i think so I'm going to go through my honorable mentions again just real quick. Uh, Undertale I is the only reason I'm not picking Undertale because I didn't play it in 2015. I didn't play it until about halfway through 2016. So it feels a little disingenuous to throw it as my 2015 pick. So um, just going to give that one an honorable mention. Uh, also to Rocket League, which was another game I absolutely adored. Uh, Want to also give a shout out like Thompson did to Until Dawn. Um phenomenal storytelling game um like it's not like a true horror game but in a lot of ways it's probably my favorite horror game like it's a great um kind of play on the genre i think i think the perfect example is the same thing that cabin in the woods did for movies yes yeah it's very much the cabin in the woods of video games yeah beyond that i also wanted to give a quick shout out to the beginner's guide um game that andy and i played together and loved from the creator of the stanley parable uh, and then my pick is Life is Strange, which I knew it. <laughs> uh, a game I, I knew it was coming. <laughs> absolutely adore. Uh, another another narrative driven game. Uh, you play a uh, high school aged girl named Max who um, goes to a boarding school for it's like a boarding high school kind of thing for um, like gifted artists. Uh, for this photography program in the town that she grew up in but moved away from. She reconnects with her um, childhood best friend Chloe. And uh, there's, like, a crazy supernatural element where she ends up figuring out she has the ability to rewind and, and accelerate time. And um, it's just great. It's a phenomenal story. Like, it's a very... It's a very, like, kind of almost, like, 
Stranger Things kind of vibe, you know, like, it's got that classic small town, like, very tight narrative about, like, the people that live in the town and the friends and the supernatural element is definitely more of a kind of backdrop to move the narrative along and have there be fun twists and have a gameplay mechanic and everything. Um, it's used really, really tastefully. I think time travel as a, as a storytelling mechanic can get really sloppy really easily. And it does a really good job of keeping it tight and having it all feel cohesive and like it makes sense. I think the characters are really likable and, um, it's just a game that has a great aesthetic. You know, it's, it's another game. I think that it, it could probably work as like a film, um, but it's so much better as a game just because you feel closer to it. You know, you feel very in the story, and um, it was very nostalgic for me in a lot of ways too. It it made it made me like I'm you know I'm obviously not a woman, but it it definitely made me think of kind of just how it feels to be 18 and like in that crossroads in your life and like you know feeling like you're kind of moving more towards adulthood, but really still feeling like a kid. Um, Wait, you're not a woman? No, I'm not. Surprisingly enough, by my <laughs> voice. Um, so yeah, just that's a game that I only played the one time, and it's a game I've wanted to consistently go back to for two years since it came out, just because I loved it so much, and it really resonated with me. Cool. So that takes us to 2016, right? It does take us to 2016. All right, here's where we're going to wrap it up, so make sure this is a good one, boys. All right, Pete, since we're going to wrap it up, you want to spit me a beat, and I'll like rhyme over it? and then. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's 2016, and I'm here to say Overwatch Game of the Year, I... Fuck. (laughs) You suck! (laughs) That was good, though. That was really good. Almost. Uh, Yeah, I think Overwatch, just in terms of, like, quality, has to be my Game of the Year for 2016. Um, I spent a lot of time playing Overwatch and a lot of time playing Fire Emblem Fates and a lot of time playing Final Fantasy XV and like Fates was the one you gave on the the slack cast that we did right what's that i think you picked fates when we did this yeah actually last year right we did this actually last year i picked fates but like i'm playing fates again and it's like it's got some problems and overwatch you know doesn't um like overwatch's matchmaking isn't great but that's like my one big and they haven't found a way to make bastion not like cancer that's true. But yeah, um really into Overwatch. Ooh, I didn't realize Oxenfree came out like right at the beginning of the year too. Yeah, that's one of my honorable mentions for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely an honorable mention for me right up there with Fire Emblem Fates and uh Dishonored 2 actually also an honorable mention. Um I still have to finish that game though. <laughs> <laughs> to go back real quick. Oh, um Sean, you could always pick every year the World of Warcraft expansion that came out if you don't have a game. Well, I was actually I was actually going to pick Legion. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Uh, I think Legion has been the best World of Warcraft expansion by far. Just everything that they've added to the game has really enhanced it. And it's it's never been more fun, in my opinion, to play WoW. I get that it's kind of a cheat because this is an iteration on a game that's now, what, you know, 12 years old. Um, but... At the same time, you know, they've released so much through this expansion that in some ways it feels like a revitalization and almost a new game in a lot of senses. So I'm, I'm definitely going with Legion. The rating has never been better. Rating is more fun than it's ever been. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, I don't know. As, as someone who's been playing the same game for 12 years, I'm telling you that this this is an amazing iteration on a classic game. So that's that's my pick. Nice. Blizzard has the power to keep people for over a decade. I fully understand. My StarCraft addiction <laughs> of like, you know, 12, 13 years, it's, it's rough, you know? Yeah. They had to put me on the patch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thompson, what about you? Um, I'm not finished with all the months yet if you want to, someone else wants to go first. Um, okay, yeah, I, I can go before you. Um, so just to get through my honorable mentions again, because I'm a piece of crap, uh, I want to give a shout out to Punch Club, which was a fun little indie game about boxing that I had a ton of fun with until it's piss poor ending. Uh, Oxenfree, another great little narrative story game about teenagers that, uh, hits me right where I live. Uh, Darkest Dungeon, which was an awesome dungeon crawling RPG that both Thompson and I had a lot of fun with. I fucking love that game. Uh, Pocket Tournament on Wii U, which um, I think was a really underrated game. You know, I, we had a lot of fun of it, fun with it for what little we played with it. And uh, it's a game that every time I pick it up, I'm reminded by just about how much fun it was. And I, I really do hope it gets a port to Wii U, I think, or not Wii U, from Wii U to Switch. I think it would be a lot more comfortable there. Um, it would make the, you wouldn't have to like sacrifice taking the game from 60 frames to 30 frames to do two player and stuff like that like you know obviously you can do split screen but do like two switch kind of setup um and i would love to see that continue as a competitive game so uh let's let's hope that has a future um also wanted to give a shout out to ratchet and clank uh which andy and i played over on slack and slash uh and phenomenal you know it's just a great 3d platformer the best 3d platform in a really long time uncharted 4 a thief's end which uh was amazing a huge fan of the uncharted series um it was a really perfect end cap to that series i think in a lot of ways if you're if you haven't played uncharted go pick up the nathan drake collection on ps4 get through all of them play uncharted 4 definitely worth your time uh and then my last honorable mention is going to be for overwatch as well which is a game that i've talked about ad nauseum uh on this and slack and slash it's a game i really love uh it's a game i think is exceptionally high quality and it's a game i expect to be playing for you know, years to come. Um, oh, and I'm trash. I want to give two more because <laughs> Indies. Oh my goodness. Sorry, Stardew Valley. Um, I love Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley is like a perfect Harvest Moon spiritual successor. Charming art, great music. Uh, Thompson spent some time with it as well. Um, great game. And then Batman the Telltale series, which um, has a terrible, terrible opening episode. But um, two through four and then specifically our fantastic and then five was good enough and um it's a solid end final honorable mention pokemon sun and moon love the game gave it my game of the year last year but um with hindsight have definitely recognized the things that keep it from being the game of the year over my next pick uh because i was so high on pokemon sun and moon when i named it my game of the year that i think it was easy to forget how quality my actual game of the year dishonored 2 was um i don't need to say much more about it because dishonored 1 was my game of the year 2012 dishonored is a phenomenal franchise it's severely underrated um it gives you more player agency in a gameplay sense than almost any game i've ever played and it has great characters a really unique and interesting world and it's so easy to get just lost in it because 
you can play it over and over and over again and there's countless permeations, you know? And it, it's just, it's always fresh every time. And just it as a game, as a franchise is fresh. So I am really sad that it doesn't seem like we'll probably ever get a Dishonored 3 considering how Dishonored 2 performed. But um, I'm really excited to pick up Prey when I do get around to it because uh, Arcane is absolutely one of my favorite developers. Those guys are on another level. So... Likewise, I think I gave Sun and Moon my favorite for the podcast we had on Slackcast, but I did. I can look back and say there's other games that were better. Um, still great game. Still love it. I think it's still my favorite Pokemon game, but I don't think it's my 2016 game of the year. Um, Battlefleet Gothic came out. All 25 of us love that game. So, you know, there there's a <laughs> really small group of us that really want to keep playing it. So thanks for the Steam sale. We had a couple other players for a day or two, and then they went away. Um <laughs> There are literally dozens of us. Yes. Yeah, we might break three dozen sometimes. Um, Monster Hunter Generations came out, which was great because I love Monster Hunter. Um, that's just another, you know, like, that's two handheld games in a row that I'm going to give a mention to. So 2016 was big for handheld. Uh, Doom came out, which was really fun. Really excited because I'm a, you know... Hell yeah! Long-time Doom fan. If you remember on the first episode, that was the first game I have ever played on like dos when i was four and i could barely like you know see the computer screen but i did it and i beat hell and it was great to play that game again total war warhammer came out and this is a really hard one to say that it's not my favorite for the year i've got 810 hours in it checking steam right now but um you know i've got other total wars i guess and nothing really did it like this next one which is battleborn hell yeah no (laughs) um Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> I gotta give it to that. Oh my um, god. Yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. I just realized it came out the same year. Um, Final Fantasy that 15. That's something with the biggest disappointments of 2015 yeah. with Arkham Knight. Um, I've played every. I mean, I mean, seriously, every single Final Fantasy game. And it's just 15. I don't know how to describe how good it is. Um, it, it, I don't know how, like, I. Looking back now, how I said Pokemon was better than this, but that's probably because like I didn't get too far into 15 enough to really say that. I'm not even done with it, and I can still say it's my game of the year. Um, I'm like you know in the last third, but it's just it's absolutely incredible. Like it hit that Star Ocean kind of feel from back in the day when I that kind of combat system. I know you guys have said it's closer to Kingdom Hearts or something, but I, I didn't really play Kingdom Hearts, so I don't know. Um, it's got just for me an amazing story i love all the characters there's never been another time that like i was playing and i really felt like i was kind of on that journey with them so much as like the last of us or this so those those two games really scratched the same itch for me um 15 just like was great you know in in a time that i said i thought i was like gonna be disappointed yet again by another final fantasy i was you know i was completely blown away by it and i remember andy coming over to when we, when it first came out, we we're like, "Oh, Andy got it last night, huh?" Like it's funny, right? And he comes over, walks up, he's just like, "Yeah, it's good. Uh, it, it's I don't know, it's good though. I don't understand why it's good, but it is." And it's just everyone in just in amusement, the shock had to set in that a Final Fantasy game was good again, and it was fucking great, you know. And they made Final Fantasy great again. Yeah, is what you're saying? yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, like I hate to say that, but you did so great. I didn't have to. Um. 15 easily takes it for me after after looking back on it but yeah well, that's, that's definitely uh that's the game i would have given an honorable mention to if i had played it in 2015 oh yeah, oh shit i guess game. i didn't actually play you bought it for me after the fact oh i might be a little bit wrong on the date there 
No, I got a few for Christmas. Oh, Christmas? Okay, yeah. So it's close to the end of the year. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. It counts, though. Yeah, it does. It counts. <laughs> cool. Started in uh, 16, so it's my 15 is my 16 pick. There you go. Cool. There you go. All right, guys, so that is going to wrap it up here for episode three of the Video Game Pals. If you guys are watching on YouTube, please make sure you give the video a like, uh, share it with a friend, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening to us over on uh, you know, SoundCloud or you know any of our other podcast services, give us one of those little hearts, repost, I don't know, whatever you got to do over on that platform. Share it with your friends, get another pal out there. If you're on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you'd leave us a uh, rating where we are already a five-star rating podcast, five-star rated podcast, excuse me. Uh, so you can either keep that trend going, help us uh, achieve more five-star ratings, or maybe you bring us down. You know, take us off our high horse and make us work harder for it. Uh, if you want to connect with us on, <laughs> if you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us at the Comics Pals anywhere: uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff. Hit us up there, connect with us. Um, you want to email us and send us a random question of the week. Tell us what your, uh, you know, five game of the years are for the last five years. Uh, comment on any of the news stories we talked about today. You can send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's the comics with an S, pals at gmail.com. And we will read them on the air. So uh, send, us a, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you want to connect with any of us individually, you can hit us up on Twitter. We have our personal handles in the description below, along with all the news items we discussed today if you need some more information. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you on the next episode. Adios, Peace. amigos. Yeah.